from the crypt. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a Tuesday morning, odd recording hour for Tales from the Crypt. That is because we have somebody calling in from Ireland to talk about a very, very hot topic. A topic that is that is on the top of everybody's mind of everybody's mind in the last few weeks, and that is data security. Um, I've got Lou to my right in the studio as well. He wanted to hop in for this. This is a topic he really wants to talk about. Uh, but before we get dive into Lou, I'd like to introduce our guest, Dylan Karen. Dylan, welcome to the podcast. It's Dylan Karen. <laughs> Just Dylan Karen. But yeah, you got it out. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Well, like uh, Dylan, thanks for coming on. Sorry for mispronouncing your last name. Uh, wanted. We wanted to reach out to you in particular. You've uh, blown up the last few weeks with a couple of articles in The Guardian talking about uh, how much data Facebook and Google in particular have collected and, and share. So why'd you do this? I, I, I'm, I'm getting right into it because I, we got a lot of shit to do today too for other work. Like why did you do this? Like, like obviously I read the, the fucking Cambridge Analytical thing and was like this is the craziest thing I've ever read. Um, what, made, what made you just go down the Google route? Was it because of the article? So what actually happened was I was really hungover one Saturday and yeah, that's I was what I... just browsing through Twitter and I, yeah, it's not what happens. You just, you know, you blow up the world a little bit by just being hungover. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, that's I, how kind of bar, I don't know if you know anything about our company. It's kind of how we all, we just all fucking do whatever we want and it ends up working somehow. <laughs> I feel like that's where the best things come from. Or you're like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I was, just, I was on Twitter and I came across like a similar enough thread that was going through Facebook, collecting your call records and your text messages on Android. So after seeing that, and people were so shocked, like unbelievably surprised. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> you don't know the half of it. So I went in and got the archives. So I was just sitting there, eyes black from being over, and then just went into it, broke it down to a big essay, published on Twitter, and then just completely exploded. Yeah, I mean, Nate wrote an article about it, and I was just like, and then I started to read all this shit, and I was like, obviously, I want to say we're not the most data-driven company in the world, but like I like all that stuff, and I was just like, "This shit is fucking crazy." Like, all right, now I kindly get like, like Marty's a Bitcoin maximalist. He's gonna sit here and probably pit, pit, fucking he's the he's the goddamn Moses of Bitcoin, so he's gonna preach to you about that. But I was like, all right, I kind of get where like the next layer of the internet could help us now because like this shit was like they fucking have everything. They have everything I ever did. They have everything that was ever said or done, and like I didn't even know they had it all. Yeah, we've been uh, <clears throat> sort of complacently just giving away our data for the last few decades. Uh, I would like to dive into your background. So how did you get into privacy in particular? You're a privacy consultant. How did you sort of fall down this path and and lead to this tweet storm that has blown up and, and thrust you onto the scene? So I kind of, like, I'm a web developer and I, I've been in that kind of stuff for virtually my entire adult life but uh, me and my friend uh, he passed away a few months ago but we used to be really 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 interested in the dark net kind of privacy online and like just not even doing anything nefarious we just like figuring out how would we actually hide ourselves from google and facebook and after figuring out just how hard it actually is like there's a couple of sites like you know what's my identity or what's my id and stuff like that and these sites will basically just do their absolute best to figure out who you are where you are what you're doing no matter what extent you go to. So we do the typical stuff like get a VPN, use a proxy, uh, not sign it, or not use Chrome, et cetera, all that kind of stuff. And then we'd go onto these sites and they would still know where we are, who we are, what's our ISP, et cetera. And after seeing that kind of stuff, I was just fascinated like, by the entire thing. 
it doesn't even think about like how many people are doing illegal stuff online and to be honest they're probably on the radars of like the nsa and the fbi they're just not bothered with them they're only going for the big fish it would take too much manpower but there's almost no way to hide your identity online without going to ridiculous extents and then even once you hide your identity you can't use the vast majority of the services online because if you go onto google and you're using tor for instance they'll block you you can't use it you're not allowed to use google while you're on tor so it's there's several things you just cannot do while like trying to remain anonymous it's not allowed anymore yeah that's the crazy thing is is privacy is is getting thrown out with the bathwater with the internet it's like maybe maybe the internet's like a huge siren that's drawn us all in to collect all of our data and sort of become a huge surveillance arm of the government and would you I mean, that's a huge topic in Bitcoin and in the cypherpunk community in particular is, is the internet broken? Like, is this model of the internet where we have to share all of our data uh, broken at its core? And uh, that's sort of what I want to dive into t today. Like, is this a big problem? Like, do people actually care? That's the thing. Because, Lou, you know, coming from sales, that people like getting serve ads that sort of cater to their wants and their needs at a certain time. But I guess you would also say that it goes too far in some extents. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what we do. I mean, I'm like, I was the first ever like sales guy at Barstool. So like, obviously I understand like the data-driven sales approach and like, I understand what Google does from like the SEO and what you would do for like how, how you basically could use Facebook or Google to take a business and make a small business a very big business. I mean, we do it with art, with stuff we do online. I mean, I remember one time a couple years ago, we had like, I remember when Davin was cool and we had a Davin Cam t-shirt and I got, we, that was like my first like huge like Facebook campaign we did at the company. And I think we did like 50 grand in like one, in like one day on church just from like doing like super targeted like Cam Newton ads, people who actually watched a, a Davin video. And I was like, this is crazy powerful. Like this is, this was probably like four or five years ago, four years ago. I was like, this is like crazy powerful. So like I get why, like wh why it works, but then I also look at it from the perspective of like i would want that data back at some point like that's what i like i'd want to know like okay like you're using this data to maybe show me something i want to buy but like if i don't want it i want it back and that's where i think like the big like where something has to change because like how like, I, I don't think they're gonna just give it back to us yeah um so this is a good segue into the article that you published last friday on the guardian or are your phone camera and microphone spying on you and you sort of went into the nitty-gritty details of how these companies are spying on us so i guess we could dive into that if you could sort of explain how these companies are collecting our data and, and at a point i i believe there's a there's a happy medium somewhere where there's a line and you shouldn't cross that line i would argue that facebook and google have have crossed that line pretty 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 uh, egregiously um so if you could go into like the nitty-gritty details of how they're spying on us that would be awesome yeah, so one of the biggest issues is that they they have so many avenues of being able to spy on you. So it's I, I try not to go into full conspiracy theorists and say like, oh no, they are watching you and your every movement, all that kind of stuff, because that's simply impossible. Like that's not happening. But they can. That's kind of the scary thing, is that's what my article was going into, is that this can happen. So for instance, if you do give an app camera or microphone access, they can take pictures and videos of you anytime, they can stream it online, they can do facial recognition anytime, they can do all this stuff at any point that you're using the phone. So this is just all stuff that's completely possible. Now, we don't know if they're doing it or not. They probably wouldn't disclose it, but I can't just say, oh, they're definitely doing it because I have no proof. I have no evidence of that. But it does go into kind of scary, scary territory where we know with the prison program that Edward Snowden revealed for the NSA that 
the NSA has complete access to all of these applications and programs and that they can access all of this information at any point or any time that they want. So we're definitely entering to like a very scary period where they might not be doing it all the time. They might be doing it at any point. They might not be doing it at all, but they can. That's scary thing. They can do. It's basically, it's like the, it's pretty much like the government having a key to your front door and your windows at any time that they want. They don't have to ask for a warrant. They don't have to do any of that stuff. They just can just walk in the front door and get your entire life story. So it is, it's definitely scary in terms of solutions. Uh, what I've mostly advocated for is like a digital expiry date. So that does solve the problem where, you know, we get our better user experience. They get their information. They get, we get our ads, everything's cool. And we get to, everything just works seamlessly the same, but we get the information back in some aspects. So if after say two to three years, they can use all the information they want, but they delete it. They delete it after three years and they can keep, uh, they can keep getting information on a renewable basis. So you just, if say you use Google for three years, they'll delete the information from three years ago, but then they can keep collecting it and benefiting your user experience because they can't actually, there's, <laughs> there's no reason for them to have your location from 10 years ago. That's not useful at all. There's no benefit to that advertising wise. So why are they keeping it? Yeah, you said they just don't believe in a delete button. You said the uh, the Google uh, data dump that you collected was like six gigs or something, like three million Word document pages. Yeah, so look, the three million Word documents is a little bit disingenuous because that is composed of photos and videos. But in my thread, I was trying to clarify this for non-tech people. Yeah. So I was trying to be like, look, this is if I had to compare this, it would be three million Word documents, but it's not three million Word documents. Mm -hmm. There's photos and videos making up maybe like 40% that size, but there's still loads of information. My search history document had 90,000 different entries Holy all shit. from 10 years ago. Yeah, it was huge. And that's all in JSON as well. So that's not readable for the average person. Like you can't just go in and read it. You have to literally be able to decipher the code. Wow. That's pretty crazy. And so I like that. So a digital expiry date, I've never heard that term before. Like how would that work? Yeah. Like how, so I guess, I mean, so they do do it like there was a reddit thread a long time i want to say it was maybe like eight or nine months ago where this guy from germany was uh what was he doing he basically was like i live in an apart he was outside in a park and he was like i live in an apartment i don't need a washing machine and he went up to his went back up to his apartment and like filmed himself just just like talk about washing machines and then he started to get all these facebook ads for washing machines so like he doesn't he he basically so that, that definitely ha i remember reading it. i was like this is crazy so they do it so like how do you incentivize users then? Because that's where I'm at, where like my brain get, 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 goes, keep, keeps going to like, how do we incentivize users to care? Like, I still don't think most middle, most people are not going to care. Like, they're not going to care. They're just going to be like, whatever, it's Facebook. I don't want to sign up for my gym membership, so I'm just going to click this button and it's going to sign up for me. Like, I just think that's how 90% of people in the world think. Like, they just want convenience. So, like, what would be, like, an incentivization structure so people will take their data back? Because that's the only way they're going to do it is, like, if there is some type of, like, I get it. Even if it's a dollar, I get a dollar, people will be like, oh, okay, like, let me start thinking about this then. So, the way I look at this is I think very similarly to the obesity crisis in America where, look, we, we can throw all the information and stuff at people that we want. We can throw cheap gem memberships. We can just keep telling them, if you keep being like, shit, you're going to die at 40. We can keep telling that and they're just not going to care. Short-term pleasure always wins out over long-term benefit for the vast majority of people. So it's the same thing with internet privacy. There's going to be a small subsection of people, like people who go to the gym and need healthily. There's going to be a small subsection of people who are going to care, are going to take the extra step and effort to take care of their online health. That's, all, that's how it's going to be. But we need to kind of change it into a different territory where, like you said, we do actually have to incentivize people to do this kind of stuff. So I'm actually working with a company called Presearch, and they are like a Google alternative, and they use blockchain to do it. So it's like um, the way Bitcoin is stored under your like anonymous public and private key, 
your information under pre-search will be stored under a public and private key. It's very, it works very similar to that. So they can collect the information, but it's not tied to your personal identity. So they get the same benefits. And then you also get rewarded with um, tokens whenever you search. So you get a little bit of money every time you do it. So it's a nice little like quid pro pro, quid quo, quo can't even say that word. So <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> quid pro it's quo. a nice win with Prid pro quo. Okay, there we go. It's a nice win-win for both sides where, you know, like people get to get the same benefits as Google where they get all their uh, personalized search results, et cetera, while making a little tiny bit of extra money. Uh, and then pre-search get to serve the correct kind of ads and they get their information and they're not using the information to sell either. They're selling uh, keyword orientated advertisements similarly, similarly to DuckDuckGo. Duck, so Duck, that's yeah. a nice win-win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. I mean, DuckDuckGo's the only one that I mean they're they're in Pennsylvania it's only I know about them though but I know like they're, they're yeah they're they're using their marketing basically like we're not going to follow you around the the internet which which is so I've seen some people on Twitter switch to DuckDuckGo full sale um we'll see how long that lasts but um like you were talking about pre-search there this is what I'm interested in when this I like, tie bitcoin and the stuff into it is I'm interested in things like similar to pre-search like block stack and digital identity and using a blockchain to hash data and again going back to public private key cryptography the whole uh the whole way that data structure works is it's a push transaction instead of pull so instead sort of instead of these companies pulling the data from you wherever you go you push when you're willing to push that data which is a completely flips uh the mechanics of how how the data aggregation is going at the moment um which interests me which is what i find most fascinating about how Bitcoin and blockchain can affect uh, data in particular. Yeah, it's definitely a nice way to go. What I, so the, the thing, what I'm doing research right now is I'm trying to show them that the way they're marketing blockchain, that kind of stuff is for the tech people. They're going to get that small subsection of the tech community, but that kind of cryptocurrency community, it's not really expanding that much anymore. And it's also very, very in-depth technology. So it's not appealing to the vast majority of people. So I'm trying to clarify things and just make things as simple as possible. Make it like Google. You log on to the, fu to the fucking site and you just search. <laughs> There's no more shit of logging in around like that. You just log on and you search. That's what the appeal of Google is. You just go in and you get your shit done and you're good. That's what that, that kind of user experience is really what benefits Google is that it's so seamless and fluid that people don't even think twice about using it. Everything seems so trustful. Like you go onto it, you don't even think for a second that something nefarious is going on. And that's one of the biggest challenges of, I think, the cryptocurrency and that kind of techno technology community in general is there's too much shit going on in the background. Like people are just not making things simple like Google do. Yeah, yeah. And Google had has a decades long head start at this point. I mean, they I remember I remember them in the '90s and how how janky their site was. It was basically just like a bar that you type in and you get you get actually shitty ads back in the day, but. <clears throat> there's something to be said like maybe their ux is so good is because they have so much data and they know exactly what to put in front of us so like i said it's like finding that happy medium of how much data are we willing to give up and how much user experience are we willing to give up uh, as a consequence of of taking back sort of our data integrity um but so other than pre-search are there any other um sort of fixes to this problem that you're that you're heavily involved in now or interested in like what do you what do you think the next step is is like making awareness we've got zuckerberg going in front of congress in in two hours here i'm very interested to see that conversation um what do you what do you think the next steps are like awareness do you think again going back do people care like 
I feel like when you shock people with, like, say, for instance, like, with much better thread, like, it, that was very shocking to people on an individual level. And that was one of my biggest problems with the Cambridge Analytica scandal and the uh, reporting behind it was that it was all, you know, like, look, 50 million Facebooks have been stolen and this influenced the US election. That is so unbelievably broad that people just do not even comprehend. It's, you know, it's like thinking, like, trying to think how many stars there are in the sky. People aren't really that interested because they're like, I can't even comprehend that. Your brain's not meant to comprehend huge numbers. But when you show it on an individual level, like when I go in and show personally how it affected me and how much they have on me, that captivates people a lot more than talking in huge numbers. So no, even though like mine is not really that, there's not much of a knock-on effect to that. It's kind of like, yeah, who cares? Just dude. But that shocks people. But if you do it with the Cambridge Analytica stuff, then people don't really care. Like I, I, I do believe that whole, like the whole Facebook scandal is going to be gone in three weeks. Guaranteed. Like it's going to 100% die down. Unless something crazy happens. Like Zuckerberg goes to prison. Or like something like that. Unless that happens, nothing's going to come of it. Like people are just going to like the twenty-four hour news cycle. It's just going to die away. Oh, it's so definitely going like to die. That that's difficult. That's why I mentioned the incentivization because it's going to die. Like, <clears throat> we work in media. There's shit. They fucking said this company was dead a hundred times in the past fifteen years, and we're still here. So like, we, yeah, like we're, yeah, it's going to go away. There's no doubt about it. It's going to go away. No one's going to care. But like, that's what like the incentivization. What you're saying, like that has to be it. Like you have to incentivize people to do it. They're never going to do it. They're never going to do it. Yeah, yeah, because then what's scary is you can get to the point. I don't know if you've seen what's going on in China right now, but they have a, 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 surveil a surveillance arm that's so vast that their facial recognition system is so precise that they can start ticketing people on their phones <clears throat> for jaywalking. And that's sort of wow. the Orwellian future that we can yeah. that we can slip into if we let if we give out this much data without without even thinking about it. I mean, people are getting text message tickets on their phones in China after jaywalking. Like Donnie could be getting getting those texts. And so that's like, in my mind, that's like an Orwellian dystopia that we don't want to move towards at all. And how do we, how do we bring more awareness? Like you were saying, I like what you said there about people hear something like Equifax, 120 million social security numbers get hacked and it's like, ah, that was a 36 hour news cycle people forgot about already. But what you said about what you did on Twitter and in The Guardian by describing exactly what happened to you, I mean, that was jarring and eye-opening. Like, holy shit. They know where you were in Ireland, at what times, like where you're traveling up and down the coast. And that's that's creepy. I mean, and and it's creepy because we're doing it and not even thinking about it. And I, most people probably didn't even know they could access that data. And now maybe that made more people aware than they go find this data. And, and, and that's another domino that falls. Um, yeah, it's very interesting. And you're young. So you're, you're only 23, you're saying, right? Yep. And it's Fuck interesting. Man, I'm the oldest fucking person, dude. I'm fucking 30. Everyone, <laughs> everyone I meet in Bitcoin and all this world is everyone's younger than me. That's how I know it's going to work, too. <laughs> no, but it's something, uh, yeah, it's something that, I find interesting about people like I mean I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm already you're 26. Like stop 26. acting like you're like 100 years old. I'm like, not, but like I'm saying now. like I I find more and more that kids our age around our age are, are very very fascinated about about tech and how it it is invading our privacy because I feel like we were the first sort of iteration of people that grew up with a somewhat good internet where it was part of our everyday lives, and maybe we rushed. We rushed into the current structure of the internet, not thinking about the consequences, and the consequences could be as dire as they are in China right now. So, um, what like what you, what was your what were you 
fascinated in it in high school and college that sort of led you to this point? I actually really wasn't that interested in this kind of stuff until the last couple of years. This is very yeah. much a recent development. Yeah, no, I had, I had zero interest when I was younger. I didn't even think twice about going on Google Incognito and, you know, <laughs> doing, doing my thing. But, like, it's those kind of repercussions that come back to bite you that does interest me. And thinking about on a broad scale about, you know, that's why in my articles I try to be a little a little bit alarmist. So I, I try not to go full conspiracy theorists, but I do try to make things sound a little worse than they actually are. Because that's the only way you get people's that's the only way you get people's attention. Like it's the it's the only way people care. Like if I wrote in my article, don't worry guys, everything's cool. We're completely fine, nothing's gonna go wrong in the next ten years, no one gives a shit. Like literally no one cares. But if I make it sound like you know something could go wrong, which is entirely possible, like something could completely go wrong with this. There's nothing to stop uh, say the American government in ten years subpoenaing Google and getting access to all this information, which they already do on a regular basis. There's over three to 4,000 cases a year of the FBI subpoena in Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, and getting that information for people to use in court cases. That's already happening. <clears throat> so like if, you know, if America's so uh, for life, liberty, and freedom, that kind of stuff, this stuff completely goes against it. It's like having cameras in your home. It's like having microphones in your car. Like it's all the exact same stuff. It's just someone else is doing it. So it's not the government, but it's someone else doing it for them. And we're all consenting to it willingly. So I don't like what I, I try to walk that kind of difficult line of not going full conspiracy theorist, but also not being an apologist where I'm saying like, no, it's completely fine. Don't be paranoid. I rather people were a little bit paranoid, just a little bit, just because then that's the only way they're going to actually take any steps to change things. So it's the best kind of way to go for me personally. Yeah. No, if you were to tell somebody in the U.S. in the 70s <clears> while like the Nixon Watergate scandal was going on that. The surveillance arm of the U.S. would get this vast and, and this granular. They would they would be shocked. They would think they were living in, in like the Soviet Union. And that's sort of, I mean, if you go back a few decades, that's what people were most freaked out about. Like you talk about like Russian spies and that. They were talking about like people were worried about their houses getting wired and their phone taps getting wired. And we just mm. openly agree to all that. Like people are putting Alexas and Google Homes in their houses like every day. And they're basically just a spy. They're just spying on them. And they definitely are. Like you said, you don't want to go full conspiracy. Conspiracist, I'll go full conspiracy here uh, <laughs> with Spotify in particular. So this was a few weeks ago. I went to uh, a concert in Brooklyn, and it was a very, very low-level band. I had never heard of them. My buddy hit me up. Was like, "Yo, I got an extra ticket to the show. You want to go?" I went with him just so he didn't go alone like a loser. But we go. It's like two small bands. It's the opening band for the main band. They were okay. I like their like their songs. I think I iter. I mean, I don't know if my phone could hear me talking, but it knew where I was because the next week on my Discover Spotify playlist, the opening band, not even the main act, which is one very extremely small niche band that I've never talked about, never searched, nothing was on my Discover playlist, and that was just like too much of a coincidence. Where um, Somersault, this this small ass band, I just so happened to be at a concert they played the Saturday before and I'd never listened to them before and they end up on my Discover playlist. And I'm pretty positive it's because Spotify used geolocation and possibly my <clears throat> microphone to know that yeah. I was at that concert. So that's a difficult one to talk about because I also do think there's an aspect of confirmation bias going on where people are not noticing the thousands of times a day this could happen, but then they're only noticing the times it does. Now that does, that does see, I've heard, I've heard those of those stories, but then it's also at the same time there's so many times you're using your phone a day and there's so many conversations you're having and there's so many things you're doing, so many places you're going where this doesn't happen. But then the times it does, you know, it, it that really goes it's on your radar. Yeah. 
So I was kind of, I don't really know what to think of that. I, that's why, I, that's why I try not to go full conspiracy theorist. Because I use my phone thousands of times a day, as does everyone, and that never happens. And then, you know, it's one time you might have like a weird kind of conversation and then it, it ends up being on your phone. There's there, And there, the hardest thing is that we can't really prove it. And that's also illegal if they are doing it. If they're capturing, um, say, your audio without using it, without telling you, that's not allowed. So it's a weird kind of line to walk. I don't I, I don't know. Like that does sound really creepy, really weird. It's just I, I don't know if I buy the whole aspect of it's always, 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 always listening and always capturing the information, always collecting the data because there is no way to prove that uh, completely. Yeah, I mean, I I think there's shit like that too. Like, there's times. I mean, God, one time me and me and Rebecca, like, I, we were talking about like her back hurting, and they started giving me ads for something like this, like thing that like a, like, it, it's basically like a massage thing. And I was like, oh, they're definitely listening. But then like I talk about gambling all day long, and like I don't get any gambling ads. I get no gambling. Well, maybe because that's illegal. But like, <laughs> but like we talk about like shit all day long. Like I don't. We talk about like stuff. All, like we don't get ads for certain stuff. You know. So I don't know. I, I don't know. Like. I do think they listen, and I, I do think that is a thing, but I, I don't know if it's as, like, dire as we think it is. But I do agree that there could be one day where, like, that the, there needs to be a way, like, uh, like you're saying, like, we have to be able to get rid of the data, and that's to be easy. There needs to be an app where I can just press the app and be like, all oh, my data's gone everywhere, and I want it gone. Because, like, that, that to me seems like it's, like... <clears throat> You're right. Like you said, it's like being able to open up your door and come in whenever you want. Like that's yeah. our entire life's online now. Like our entire life's online. Yeah, it's got to be easy and it's got to be transparent, I think. I think that's what scares people the most is that there's no real transparency to this unless you dig dig deep into into your data on these platforms. Like maybe that is the the solution is these companies maybe Zuck sits up on Congress today and realizes like, hey, maybe we have to be more transparent with how we're using your data and maybe not make you read a 40 page legal doc and hit I agree because I... 40 page man. It's like 50,000 pages. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, what you did, like I was thinking about like what, 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 what you did, like, like my mom would have no idea how to do that. She would just be like, whatever, and just move on. Like she'd be like, I don't even care. Yeah. You know, it's like there's and but maybe that also comes with like, I guess. Like, I mean, I, I personally think the next generation, if you're not in STEM, you're just going to end up being a fucking idiot. Like, there's not going to, you're going to have to know some type of STEM type thing to not like to make it in this world. So maybe that just ends up happening as like the world progresses where it's like they, they don't care because they don't understand it. But like, obviously, you're 23. Like, everyone, the next generation is going to understand everything that's happening on the internet, like every single day because they're, they have a smartphone in their hand when they're three years old. Not even. It's crazy. And again, like we were born at this crazy inflection point, like in the in the 90s, where we're sort of transitioning from this analog world, sort of very manual to this digital world where everything is online. And that's a huge change. Like humans have been evolving for millions of years. And or just over the last four decades, we've we've crept into this new digital age and the way humans interact with each other and the tools that they've created has changed drastically in a very short amount of time. And it, it's changing our nature, I would argue. 
Well, we can, we've already sh- it's already been shown that it's completely changing how our brains work. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's basically it's an addiction. Like our, our the dopamine section in your brain lights up every time you turn on your phone and get a notification, and you actually get feelings of depression, anxiety, and withdrawals from when you don't get a notification. So that that's been shown in multiple studies. That's already happening. And you know what the one of the craziest things I actually took a step back and thought about this the other day. So I use an app called Digital Detox on my phone, which essentially just it doesn't let you do anything on your phone for like three to four hours, no notifications, nothing. Just you're not allowed to use it. And I was saying, like, I spent 900 bucks on this phone to get an app that doesn't let me use it. <laughs> like, that's, if you, th- if you think, and a lot of people, that, that app has like 3 million downloads, and a lot of people are doing that. It's such a weird line for us to walk where, you know, we buy these things to make our lives so much easier and connect better. And then we have to shut them off because then we'll be in a group of friends. We'll all be looking at our phones. And that's the, like, if I'm ever sitting and having coffee with a friend, I'll make them turn off their phone or put it in their pockets because it's the one of the most rude things. I think you can do, you know, if you're saying you don't have like, like a coffee with your friend, it's just taking out your phone, basically saying, fuck you, don't care. I'm just scrolling down right. Facebook, like not even texting someone, just scrolling down Facebook. I don't give a shit what you're saying. But that's commonplace. Like that's, it's not considered rude to the vast majority of people. That's just what they do. Like it's, it's, it's a really weird kind of age we're entering. Yeah. And again, going back to like, it's really weird how quickly we've sort of been thrust into this age where, again, going back to like human evolution, it happen over a time like most of human evolution happened during a time when there was no electricity and then only in the last like 150 years or a little bit longer whenever electricity was discovered and then going in into the industrial now the information age like the pace of change is quickening every fucking day it feels and just like is our chemistry ready to to evolve and react to that that's that's one thing i'm fascinated about and i would argue like you were talking about obesity in america earlier in the podcast like i think there's like ripple effects of these changes like obesity like opioid addiction suicides at all-time highs depressions at all-time highs i think we are sort of being affected by this change and we need to take a step back and sort of realize what's happening to us and go ahead what i find most it's what's really weird is that we're actually living in like the best time ever like this is the best you this is the best time in human history fact like full-blown fact like global poverty is down drug debts are down uh what violent crime is down rape is down like domestic abuse is down everything's going down like technology is amazing we've, we've made every single aspect of our lives super simple and easy and fluid it would be for some reason depression and anxiety obesity heart attacks are going up like it doesn't make any sense so like, you would think that because life's getting easier we'd have less depression and anxiety but what actually happens <clears throat> is that when you don't have an actual real problem to focus on, when your life is that easy, then you start creating problems. Your brain is trained over millions of years of evolution to constantly look for and find problems. So then it's going to constantly look for and find problems. You get stupid anxiety over your job or your relationship, which might not have existed before because you had actual problems. Like you were going to fucking starve to death you know, if you didn't go to work. But now it's like a girl doesn't text you back and that's, you know, a guy is just completely upset over that. So like that's why like if you look to say poor countries around the world who don't have internet and all that kind of stuff, suicide is extraordinarily low. But then if you go to places like America, it seems like suicide is a privilege of the rich, where like the upper white, the upper say the upper levels of the classes with who are you know more white predominated, 
are com committing suicide on ridiculous rates. In Ireland, the male suicide rate is insane. It's the second biggest killer of men in Ireland. Really? Uh, just below higher tax. Yeah, it's, it's incredibly high. And Ireland's a really, really easy country to live in. Like things are so easy. Go they're so easy going. Uh, everyone has the there's a lot of social welfare so it's really easy to live here like if you're if you're poor here you're great like things are fine like things might suck a little bit compared to other people but on a global scale it's super good so it's like i feel like people need actual problems to survive you need like an actual purpose like these like right. the phones and the internet are just destroying that completely destroying it yeah how fleeting is the, is the uh is the the journey for likes and retweets you know like it, it yeah. definitely def i mean i've experienced this in the last like i had this time last year i think i had 300 twitter followers now like, i mean our i mean the entire company was our entire barstool sports was built off of this like it's <laughs> right? like if there's not a problem or we don't have like someone to fight we're like we got to find someone to argue with or we're fucking bored yeah. like or if there's not someone we're competing against we're fucking bored like that's literally the entire company was built off this yeah like just literally being like okay like oh like how someone i mean I mean, when the, when the fucking Bleach Report said something about us, it wasn't that bad. We turned into something huge, and we, and we ended up being the number one like app downloaded that week <laughs> right? in the entire world. Because it's like, you're right. There, everything is super easy, and we make problems that aren't really like real problems. I agree. That's you may be better than a therapist. So if you want to quit and like go work at what are one of those fucking places like Mindspace or something like that, or what are they? What, <laughs> what are one of those fucking Mindspace? Places? Yeah, it's yeah. A there's like one. App. What's the one? There's like another one. I know what that is. There's like another like huge one. I can't think of it. Anyway, that was probably the best way I've, I've heard anyone even talk like talk about just like human nature in general now, because everyone just creates problems for no fucking reason. You're right. It's hundred percent right. Right. Yeah. You're, you're a wise twenty three year old, Dylan. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're pretty fucking smart, man. That's all I'm gonna. You're really fucking smart. Dude, I'm like, just saying. I'm just saying words. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know what I either mean. I'm just talking. But like, yeah. if if I were to ask you a question out of this, like, what do you think? Is there is there like a cause that we could all strive for that might give people purpose? Like, are you interested in going to space? Like, is there is there something in this world that we should be fighting for with a common common denominator, with a common cause that will give people purpose? You know? I, well, I feel like we're already doing that with things like, uh, say, like Tesla, SpaceX, Hyperloop, etc. Like, the, we are constantly improving and we're improving at a ridiculous rate. Like with Murphy's Law, like things are just getting unbelievably better every single year. So I, like we already have those purposes. It's more for like the the common person, you know, who's just going to like their dead end office job where things already like okay, on a global scale, they're fine. But like on an individual scale, they do suck. Like you need to see improvement in your life for anything to be worthwhile, like need discipline, etc. And phones are the biggest sap of discipline and any sort of purpose that there is. Like if you spend was like, what was this? There was a statistic that some people are spending an average of about six hours a phone, six hours a day on their phone. And that's not including work. So if you're in work and you're bored as shit, then you're probably spending 14 to 16 hours a day on your phone. And uh, what do you, what can you possibly be doing on your phone that's productive? Like how many people do productive things in their phones? Maybe like business calls and stuff. But apart from that, not a whole lot. Like you can't really do anything productive. You're probably on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever. And if you are not actually working constantly to improve your life, then you're gonna feel like shit it's uh, like i don't even know what people can actually go and do like that's a very self-fulfilling kind of thing and i'm only 23 so like i can't talk you know too much <laughs> on this like i don't i barely know what my fucking purpose is my purpose for life changed two weeks ago i got a twitter thread it's viral so like it's kind of difficult to say that's very much something you have to see for yourself it's just you have to take uh, you have to take advantage of the information era where you can get anything in the world when you want when like at, at any point like you can just go find virtually any information so my personal 
life purpose is just getting information. So I just love learning new things, of reading books and then reading stupid websites, all that kind of stuff, going through even like a Wikipedia unusual articles. It's so easy to find your purpose online nowadays. You just can literally Google things to do to benefit your life purpose. And you'll find like a list of 100 things. And then you can go try each of them for 10 minutes a day. You'll find it. Like it'll, it'll come up. So like it's, it's, it's never been easier to, be, to better your life nowadays. But for some reason, that's just too much effort for people. I think we're uh, getting to the bottom of this. It comes down to discipline. And that's uh, people have to have, uh, have to take full responsibility for themselves and you made a great point. Like these phones are distracting. Like they're, they're here to distract us and it gets down to a personal responsibilities type argument. Like, Hey, how disciplined are you going to be? What do you want to accomplish? Are you going to set goals? And are you going to let your phone and your laptop, uh, take you off that trajectory to, to go, uh, fulfill those goals? You know? I mean, I mean, the internet controls my fucking life. I can't even lie. Like it's like, neither can I, I mean, oh yeah, me too. Life. But like, but like we work in it though. So I don't know what it's like. Everything is the internet to me. Like everything's work to me. When everyone's like, "Do you work?" I'm like, "I'm working every day, every moment of the day." Like, there's not a day we don't like this. Like, this is fun, but this is like work. Like, this is work right now. It's work. It's work in a simple sense that it makes Marty happy, so he'll do a better job. At, he'll do he'll do better at his job, and Marty works for me. Like, we're not making any fucking money right now, but like that's. The, but it's still like making him happy makes me makes the company better. So like, this is work in a certain way, and so. and I like to learn about the shit. I like to learn about it, and. Question. All right, let me get into the, the the number one question now. How much Bitcoin do you use? I mean, do you own? Own. Don't ask people how much Very, Bitcoin do they own. That's so personal, man. That's like yeah. asking how big my dick is. Uh, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> all right, I didn't mean that's like fair. I didn't mean like an exact number. I didn't mean I'm always, I would never tell you my number either. You do not have to answer this, Dylan. Dylan, what we will uh, ask. Actually, go ahead. I actually own, I actually own very little. I have a lot of IOTA. So I'm more of a I would a man. So I've gone I've gone very much into that kind of stuff. I've got I to talk it a lot. Dylan, I've got to talk some sense into you. I, get your shit out of IOTA. They they, <laughs> they they tried to roll their own cryptographic functions, which is uh, a no no in in the crypto in the cryptography world. Uh, I like the the ideology behind. See, I don't see what I don't I don't trust Bitcoin at all because they have a maximum of 2,400 transactions every 10 minutes or so. While Visa has a maximum of like 20 million transactions every 10 minutes. So it's just uh, and in terms of like a pure performance scale, we even saw when Bitcoin scaled, uh, how it scaled during the investment craze, like over the last six months of people were dumping money into it. And it would take you hours. Like if you can't buy a coffee with a cryptocurrency, then it's just not going to succeed in the long run. It's more of a gold standard where people invest in it just to have their savings is something that's going to probably going to gain some interest. Um, it's just not going to work in the long run. Maybe the alternatives will, but I don't think it will personally. Dylan, we'll uh, we'll talk off the record. I've got a lot. I've got a lot to teach you. Um, Bitcoin's <laughs> going to scale in layers. So Bitcoin has a second layer called the Lightning Network right now, where you can do millions of transactions per second. It's just going to take time to get there. Um, I'm not going to lecture you on how money becomes money right now this is not what this yeah because if we do about. it if we do it he'll end up to dude you'll end up sitting here for five fucking hours with them we've sat, we've sat <laughs> in marathon podcast because we do friday nights because since we don't want to take off like the actual business of like actual serious xm so we do friday nights and do this it, he'll sit here you'll end up on a five-hour fucking podcast with him about bitcoin we'll talk about everything from like the beginning you'll get from the tulip craze to fucking goddamn the day and he'll tell you everything there is about money and how money exists yeah I would be careful with IOTA in particular. Um, but if you ever want to talk about Bitcoin, let me know. Uh, I'm, my DMs are open. My email's open. I'm happy to hop on a Skype call as well. Uh, are you flirting with me? What? Are you flirting with me? 
maybe maybe you're cute though. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh my I'm not um yeah but that's uh one thing in particular people Marty's I, married Marty's crazy he's I, married I am he's married. crazy he's a crazy fucking person but go ahead um no I fell down a similar path that you did where I thought hey Bitcoin it's it's heavy and arduous and it's slow and dumb um and went to the altcoins as well but you'll find over time that uh Bitcoin is slow and dumb for a reason at the protocol level. But uh, I want to ask you one question, and uh, can you get rid of uh, Bitcoin miner fees with the next, uh, the upcoming protocols and all that kind of stuff? No, you need the miner fees in the long run because what incentivizes what incentivizes. I know. I, I, <coughs> I get how it works. I just don't think that'll work in the long run because if it's going to cost you, for instance, if you want to buy like a cup of coffee with a Bitcoin uh, wallet, then that's if that's going to charge you like five bucks, that's not going to work that's for the, the microtransaction scale. Yeah, that's at the protocol level. You can take microtransactions to another level where you set up a Lightning Network channel and you put a little Bitcoin in that channel and then you can transact basically feelessly on that second layer. Yes, at the protocol layer, you're not going to be buying coffee at the protocol layer. The protocol layer is going to be made for huge transaction settlements for, for much bigger uh, transaction types than a cup of coffee this is going to be like settlements between banks at the protocol level then at okay. layers above you'll be able to create technologies that uh enable a medium of exchange where you can go buy a cup of coffee for no fee and do it instantly you don't have to wait 10 minutes for a confirmation um on these second layers uh yeah it's just going to take time to get there you have to build out the infrastructure as technology is less than a decade yeah. old old um it's just going to take time. Uh, a lot of people want. Yeah, I a lot of people want. I won't argue with it too much, just because I don't actually know the in depth, uh, the in nitty gritty of it. So I'm not going to speak authoritatively on it. I just like said in the email. That's just more of an opinion. No, no, I agree, and it's a, it's a smart opinion to have. I mean, yes, money can't act as a currency if you have to pay that big of a fee every time you're trying to buy a cup of coffee. But I would argue that's not going to be the way Bitcoin works forever. We're building stuff okay. on top of it to to make it so uh you can use it as a medium of exchange uh that's the whole huge debate going around the cryptocurrency world right now is should this stuff be a store of value or a medium of exchange out of the box um, i'm under the volition or not the volition i'm under the uh belief that you have to establish a store of value first and then you can move to a medium of exchange from there um it just takes time money is all about trust you were talking about this in your bitcoin explainer uh and trust takes time to build. Um, okay. Dylan, really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Do you have any closing remarks for us? Like what anybody who's freaking out about how these companies are collecting their data, what do you suggest they do? Is there any like first steps or uh, recommendations that you have for people that are interested in, in protecting their privacy? Yeah, so there's a couple of things you can do. Like, if you're going to keep using Google and Facebook, then you should definitely go into the privacy settings and disable the data collection. This will have, you know, this will have one repercussion where if you are using their services, they're not going to be as good. That's just how it is. They can't personalize it anymore. So, you know, if they're not getting your location, then they can't give you local businesses. If they're not getting uh, YouTube history, they can't give you a recommend the proper recommended videos. So that's, you know, you, I would just encourage people to kind of just take a step back and think, okay, am I okay? with this data collection in exchange for the services. And if they are, then that's fine. That's a personal decision. At least they were informed to make it. That's kind of my point of the entire thing is like, at least they know, at least they can actually just make that decision themselves. And if they decide otherwise, then you can go to the Facebook settings, go into privacy, change them, turn them off, or go to Google My Activity and pause all the different settings. So that would be, you know, Google Maps, YouTube, Google Fit, Photos, et cetera. 
and I would I. I would advise people to go do VPN and WebRTC leaks, etc., like that. You can look and you can look into those those yourselves. That's a totally different topic for me to go into. But if do that, if you think your searches or like browsing history is anyway going to endanger your life, so this isn't applicable to maybe people in the Western countries. That's fine. But what I think a lot of people don't actually take into account is that there's people in like Iran and Syria and Somalia and Sudan where their Google searches endanger their lives. That's not here. Like over there though, it's super dangerous. Like Iran, the thing is this is just maybe a year ago where they were, they completely shut off the internet access to the outside when they were going through that um, basically a civil war and they just shut off internet access to the outside and the wrong Google search would get you beheaded pretty much. Yeah, you, so you can't even search for the Tiananmen Square massacre in China or you get thrown in jail. Like, yeah. No, like it's it's crazy. Like that's it's yeah, it's cool for us Western people. We kind of have these little bit of liberty where yeah, no one probably does give a shit about what we're searching. You know, like at the meta level, yeah, probably no one does give a shit. It's just for personalization. This really is really really dangerous for people who live in other countries. I think people have to look at this on a global scale, where it's like God, like if someone in like Indonesia, Iran, Syria, Kuwait, etc., like if they look up. You know, it's like, is Muhammad not real? You know, something to some as innocuous as that. Like, they might be curious about atheism or something like that. Boom. Like, they're, they're with, they will be imprisoned or killed. Like, so it's just, uh, that's definitely something to take into account. And that being said, you know, like, America is pretty okay at the moment. Like, you know, you have the NSA and stuff like that, but there's, there doesn't seem to be anything too nefarious going on, you know, with your Google searches around like that. You can look up ISIS and that kind of stuff and nothing's going to happen to you, realistically. But... You know, it's changed. Like, who thought Google? Who thought Donald Trump would be president four years ago? I want to see the odds. I want to see the fucking odds on Donald Trump being president because they're probably astronomical. Nope. And now he's president. I mean, yeah, everyone got everyone got rich at um Australia on it. Everyone bet on Donald Trump in Australia and got rich. We had some guys in from Australia the other day, and they were like, "Yeah, so many people got rich off that because the odds were so crazy. They got rich, like crazy rich." I mean, yeah, Trump in particular. I actually. I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I told people for like the year and a half leading up to the election that he was going to win just looking at his opponents and the uh, the platform that he was running on. There's a lot of disenfranchised uh, manufacturing yeah. workers and, and low, lower class I, Americans. I that, said uh, the exact same thing. I yeah. like he's going to win. Just because, Sorry, he's not going to win. Hillary Clinton's going to lose. That's exactly yeah. what's going to happen. Like, And it went and it happened. And most people who actually took a step back and looked at the overall trends, I didn't just take the CNN polls, actually came to that conclusion. Yeah, it's uh, it was pretty obvious in the long run. Like people are fed up of the the meet the new boss, same as the old boss. Like Republicans and Democrats are, are no different. Like they're one gets in and and nothing changes. Um, but again, I don't want to take up too much of your time today. Yeah, uh, shout out your Pantheon. Shout out how the fuck we can get you paid. All that shit. I mean, I mean, <laughs> a lot of people are going to listen to this, and we'll also tweet it out as well. Yeah, patreon.com slash I am Dylan Kern. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Dylan Kern, and on my YouTube, just Dylan Kern. Dylan, really appreciate your time today, um, or tonight in Ireland. Uh, I think we learned a lot here. This is a little different for us on this podcast, but uh, read more into IOTA. I got some shit to send you on that. And uh, peace and love, freaks. All right, man. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, dudes. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Have a good one, Dylan. See you. Bye. You too. Take care.